good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm thankful to be your host. I'm thankful that you joined me today and uh, want to be a part of this program. Uh, without your listening, it, it makes it kind of pointless. So I'm glad that you have, have chosen to join me for uh, a brief period of study. Today we are continuing our lesson on Moses. We are looking at underdogs of the Bible. And we began this series uh, a little while back. And so uh, this is the second part of a lesson on Moses. We've already talked about Gideon. And so today we are going to begin, talk, or not begin, but we are going to continue talking about Moses and, and his life and, and what makes him an underdog. Because when we really think of Moses, we think of someone great. We think of the one that brought back the Ten Commandments, who even spoke on behalf of Israel to God, uh, who who saved them from from doom in some ways. Uh, we read that in Scripture. Uh, we read of his relationship with God, and we, we think of him as a, a great leader, and certainly he was. He led the people out of bondage, and beyond that, he continued to lead the people as they... Uh, as they they turned their service toward God, and uh, he encouraged them to do so up until the very end of his life. Uh, Moses was a a great figure in the Bible, uh, a great person, and uh, let's not lose sight of the fact that these are real people. They're not just characters in a story, but these are real people, and certainly Moses was a real person, a real leader, but when we look at Moses' beginnings, we find him to be an underdog in, in ways that, uh, when we look at Moses from his beginning, we would not consider him, maybe, as someone who would be a great leader. We have looked at Moses' birth from Exodus chapter 1. Um, we see that, that from the beginning, there was... Uh, a, or at least from the beginning of Exodus, there was a, a period of time where the Pharaoh had issued a decree to kill the male children born to Israel. So even from his birth, as we read from Exodus chapter 1 and verse 22 and read into chapter 2, we find that that he... He almost didn't live. But his mother saw him. She saw him to be a beautiful child. She hid him away for three months. And she put him in an ark. And she uh, eventually Moses was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. Miriam, his sister, had followed him and offered to take him to one of the Hebrew women to nurse him. And so course she took him to his mother and we see that he lived he lived in the palace he lived as an egyptian as royalty but we also find a time when when he made a choice and he chose not to enjoy the things of of the palace the things of royalty in egypt but he chose to suffer 
with the people of Israel. We find that in uh, Hebrews 11, actually, in verses 24 through 29. This is the only place that we read of of this, uh, not in the Old Testament, but we read of it in the New. In Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. So we see that that looking at Moses' life, it wasn't uh, perfect from the very beginning, but he made a choice. He made a choice not to be an Egyptian, but to be one of the Hebrews, even knowing that it would would cause him to suffer uh, with the people. He made that choice. We see that that he also he committed a great sin in killing an Egyptian, as we read in uh, um, Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. He thought at the time that he should deliver Israel, and we find that in Acts chapter 7, in verses 23 through 25. Uh, And we won't take the time to read that because we've already read that. But 40 years later, he was no longer so sure of himself as we read in Exodus chapter 3 and verses 7 through 10. We'll get to that in a moment. From the beginning of Moses' life, we, we look at him and maybe we wouldn't consider him as someone to lead God's people. Maybe we wouldn't consider him to do great things, but Moses did go on to do great things. And so uh, we see that in him. But it took a lot of time. It took a lot of of guidance on God's part to bring him to the point where he could lead the people. And he did. And he did a great job of that. But, But let's get into our lesson. Before we do that, let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together. We thank you for your word, for the ability that we have to, to study together and to, to bring to our remembrance these things, to apply them to our lives. And we pray, Father, that we would do so in a way that brings glory and honor to you. In our times of difficulty, of course, there, there are many difficulties that we are facing today. We pray, Father, that you would bless us in them. Help us to see you. Help us to to have your vision, to see uh, that good things are, are ahead for your people, as you've told us in your word. We know that all things do work together for good, and we pray, Father, that, that you would help us to be patient as these things work together for our good and for the good of those around us. Help us to be shining lights, to be shining examples in this world of darkness that we live in. Help us to be your servants and to remain faithful to you. We are thankful for your son, for his sacrifice for our sins. It is through Jesus that we pray. Amen. All right, getting into our lesson. Uh, taking way too much time with the introduction. 
But let's get into our lesson for today. I want to begin in Exodus chapter 3. We're not going to pick up at the very first verses. Uh, we recognize uh, probably from memory, maybe from uh, stories that you've heard before. Uh, I'm sure that, that we are familiar with the burning bush, with the, uh, the events that surround that burning bush. We see that, that Moses, he, he is tending this flock in Midian, and he comes to this place, and, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush. The thing about the burning bush was that it was not consumed. We understand that, that this is the Lord speaking to Moses, and he tells him to, to remove the sandals from his feet because the place upon which he stands is holy ground. In other words, it is a sacred place. And whenever I think of, of the word holy, uh, too, I'm reminded that we in the New Testament are told to, to be holy. For I am holy. That's a, a quote from God. That's, that's from His Word. Be holy. We are to be holy. And how are we holy? We are holy when we separate ourselves from the world. That is something that Christians are told to do. And, and I, I also recognize Moses here. In removing the sandals from his feet, does he not, in a sense make himself holy. It, this is an idea that I, I've been pondering this morning and as I've been preparing for, for this lesson. Uh, but, but we do see that, that, that Moses, in a sense, he has to be holy also. And so he has to separate himself from the world to be on holy ground. And so there, there are a lot of good parallels that we can, can put to our lives. But what I really want us to focus in on today are, are the, the reasons that Moses gives for his idea, for his thought that he should not be the one to lead Israel. God is coming to him and telling him, you were going to lead my people out of bondage. Uh, we, we pick up with, with Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. This is God coming to Moses and he's he's telling him, I recognize I recognize the afflictions of my people. 
God had not forgotten about them. Even 400-something years later, God had not forgotten about his people who were still in Egypt. And he was going to deliver them. And he was going to do so through Moses. Now, remember the intent of Moses. Um, In verse 25 of Acts chapter 7, in Acts chapter 7, we read in Stephen's sermon, if you'll remember, the thought process of Moses in killing the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And so when he sees a, a Hebrew striking a Hebrew, he goes to break them up. Or, Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? Oh, his sin was known. And in that knowledge of the, the sin, knowing that other people knew, he fled. For 40 years, he was in the land of Midian. He married, he had children. He was uh, this, this shepherd. Uh, as we read at the, the very beginning, he was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And so we find Moses here. He's in Midian. He's been here for 40 years. We we have come from this point where he was going to lead the people. He knew that he was going to deliver them from their bondage. 40 years later, God calls to him and says, you're going to do this. And he says, who are you talking to? Me? You really mean me? And this also, in a sense, makes him an underdog because he doesn't believe in himself. He, he has no confidence in himself that he can provide for the people of Israel, that he can do God's will. And so he gives a number of excuses. We're going to, to look at these verses very, very quickly. Uh, we're not going to take too much time with these. But we begin by looking at verses 11 and 12 of Exodus chapter 3. This is Moses' reaction to God. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Here's God's answer. In verse 12, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Notice the the confidence in God. God knows what Moses is going to be. It it almost reminds me of Jesus. Whenever he spoke to Peter, you remember whenever um, there came a point where Peter made this, this great confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God in Matthew 16. And Jesus says to him, you're going to be Peter. You're going to be a rock. Peter, it took some time, and it took some confidence building in his life. There was a lot of growth in his life that brought him to be the rock that he was when the church was established, for instance. Jesus saw Peter for who he would be. He saw who he could be who he would become. 
even though Peter wasn't there yet, Jesus could see that. Why? Because he is God. And God could see it in Moses. You are going to lead my people. And when you've done this, by the way, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses hadn't gotten there yet, but he would get there. And God knew it. There's a lot of confidence building that's going to take place even in in these couple of chapters, Exodus chapters 3 and 4. But Moses was going to lead the people. As a matter of fact, I don't know that anyone else could have led the people in a better way than Moses did. Moses had great patience with the people. Uh, Even when they tested God's patience, Moses was right there talking uh, before God about them. Uh, Give give us the chance that, that they can do this. They will serve you. But it took a long time for him to get there. And so we see a lot of confidence building here. Uh, Reason number two is found in 13, verses 13 through 15. And these reasons are actually excuses, but these are are reasons in Moses' mind as to why he can't lead the people. Then Moses said to God, verse 13, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel, say to them, and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. And he gives him further instructions. Uh, Moses is wondering, well, who am I going to say you are? Who am I going to say spoke to me? How am I going to explain to, to the people that you are sending me? I am who I am. It's very simple yet very complex in in different ways because we know that God is all-knowing and all-powerful. We know that that He is in control of the universe. We know these things. We know them to be so. But how do you explain who God is to a people that may or may not be prepared to listen? I am who I am. Again, very simple, but yet very complex. So that is the answer that God gives to Moses. Tell them, I am who I am. The I am has sent you. We pick up in in chapter 4. We're going to skip over uh, some of these instructions that are given. But we find another reason that is given that Moses may not be able to lead the people. Then Moses answered and said, verse 1 of chapter 4, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 2, So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? 
He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Again, this is God still speaking to Moses. In, in verse 6, he gives him uh, a, a different sign, the, the sign of a, a leprous hand. Read that in verses 6 through 9 of chapter 4. Put your hand into your bosom. It comes out leprous. Do it again, and it comes out restored, just like the other flesh. So Moses' reason is, is well, what if they don't listen to me? What, what if the people refuse to listen? How am I going to, to, to again, explain that you are, are the one that is behind all of this? I, I, I can't say a whole lot in, in some ways because I look at this from a human aspect, and, and I can see, I can see even a, a preacher that, that may come to a point, maybe he's been preaching for a while, and maybe he comes to a point where, where he's a bit discouraged. What, what if they're not listening to me? God's instructions to Moses is, is you still go. I will be with you. God is, is convincing Moses that he is going to be there. And certainly he is. But Moses isn't done. He still has other reasons that maybe he is not the right person for the job. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord's answer, verse 11, Who has made man's mouth? Or, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. God is basically convincing him, who else, who made man? Who, who made you? And, and who made you with the ability to speak? I will be with you. I will be with your mouth. I will, will guide you in what you're going to say. Well, verse 13, he has another reason. And really, this isn't a reason, maybe, as much as it is. Uh, it really is. It's pretty much an excuse. Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send, not me. I'm not the right person for the job. Don't send me. And yet, God is going to send him. Verse 14, we read of, of the Lord's reply. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he, when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. 
so he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. He made the Lord angry that he kept on with these excuses, with these reasons, these so-called reasons that, that he couldn't lead. Aaron was going to be with him. Aaron was going to help him, but it wasn't going to be Aaron's job to lead the people. Moses was the leader. And we see many times where Aaron even failed to do God's will. I think of Exodus chapter 32, I believe it is, where we read of of the golden calf that Aaron built in Moses' absence. No, it wasn't meant for Aaron to lead the people. It was meant for Moses. And and as Moses, as his confidence is built, as his, his life is built around these things, we we see that that he does. He becomes a great leader. And he does many great things on on behalf of the Lord. Only Moses could lead the people in the way that he did. Only Moses would have the patience with them. Only Moses would have the confidence in the people of Israel that they could serve God. Moses had a very special relationship with God, even a a face-to-face relationship with God. Moses was able to speak to God. They had more of a, a conversation, a dialect between the two of them than anyone else that God ever spoke to. God spoke in, in time past. He spoke... Um, to uh, different individuals, but never did he speak to anyone in the way that he spoke to Moses. And, and never since, even in the way that he spoke to prophets and and people like that. Moses was a very special individual, and God knew that, and God had to bring him to that point, to, to his own realization of who he could become. Maybe that's you, maybe... Maybe you don't think that that you can be a a faithful child of God. Maybe you have doubts in your mind and in your heart. But know that God can make a great, great change in you. He made a great change in Moses and and he made a great change in many others, such as Peter and and maybe Paul. Uh, We think uh, of the great things that God can do in the lives of his people but we have to put our confidence in him. And Moses had to put his confidence in God. I hope that we we understand from from this example that, that when God calls us, and God has called us, he has called us to Christianity, he has told us what we need to do in his word to become Christians, he, he calls us to faithful service. And he knows that we can do it. He knows that we can overcome our great challenges. But again, we have to put our faith in God. That's a difficult thing. But I pray that that we are able to put our faith in God. Moses was an underdog in many respects. Maybe you feel like you're an underdog in, 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 in your life and in your service to God. But God can use underdogs, and he has... And he'll continue to do so to serve him.
the way that He desires. And I hope that we're doing that. I hope this has been a a helpful lesson for you. I look forward to being back with you next week, Lord willing, Tuesday at 11 a.m. as we study another portion of God's Word together. Uh, You can look for this as a a podcast. If you go to Apple Podcasts, you can look this up as Mars Hill Church of Christ podcast, the exact wording there, Mars Hill Church of Christ podcast, and there it will be. And this is also linked on our website, uh, marshillcoc.org. But again, I hope this is helpful. I look forward to being with you once again, but until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.